here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. This settled disposition of anger, that's part of who God is. We're looking at one side of the coin when we look at His love, and that is true, God is love. But there's another side to that coin. God is a God of judgment and of wrath. See, the wrath of God is His righteous reaction when He collides with sin. We don't like to discuss the wrath of God. It's much easier to only focus on the loving God, which of course He is. Pastor Ed's message today, while potentially difficult, also reminds us that God isn't just passively sitting by and letting evil take over the world. God will judge the wrong in the world, but His timing is better than what we think it should be. And really, if you think about it, the wrath of God is also motivated by His love, and His end goal is always to show everyone the power of His love. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, God's Wrath. Our culture really doesn't want to hear of a God that ever gets angry. The portrait that they paint in their hearts and minds is of a benevolent grandfather who will excuse, overlook, but never become angry with sin. To the postmodern mind, a God who judges sin just does not fit into their grid of thinking. Where are you going to get the canvas and the paint and the image of the God that you have in your mind? Is it going to be from a culture that is in rebellion against God, that's created, as it were, a God after their own imagination? Or are we going to go to the book, God's self-revelation, of who He is, to gain an understanding of what God is like. I don't know, but I do know this, that preaching has dramatically changed in these United States over the past half a century. There was a time that the prophetic voice was heard from pulpit after pulpit across America as people preached and spoke of the God of Scripture. But it seems that it's not politically correct to speak of the anger or the wrath or the judgment of God. It's okay to speak of a God of love, and He is a God of love. But don't dare speak of the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We want a culturally relevant God that fits into our form of thinking, that won't offend us and we won't be offended with. In John chapter 3, verse 36... The writer says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But 
Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Preacher, preach about his love. I don't want to hear something about his wrath, his anger. Preacher, talk about the merciful, gracious God. I don't want to hear about his holiness and righteousness. Let's talk about God, our shepherd. Oh, he is a shepherd. But never forget, he is a warrior. Let's not look at the book of Hebrews. Can we erase those hard passages out of Scripture? Can we, well, just tear them out? Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 10, 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Is there a God who judges, who is angry? God's wrath is the response of his holiness to sin. God's wrath is the response of his holy nature to sin. God's nature demands that he judge sin. He would not be almighty God if he wasn't angry with sin and sinful humanity. Holiness demands that he judges sin. God's holiness demands wrath. In Romans 1.18, we have that word again. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The Greek word, orge, wrath. That word means a settled disposition of anger. It really speaks of a mindset for the purpose of revenge. Did you ever think of God wanting revenge? This settled disposition of anger. That's part of who God is. We're looking at one side of the coin when we look at his love. And that is true, God is love. But there's another side to that coin. God is a God of judgment and of wrath. See, the wrath of God is his righteous reaction when he collides with sin. The wrath of God is his holy hatred towards wickedness. The wrath of God is his personal reaction towards sin. God's wrath is a manifestation of his holiness. In Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness. That word godless simply means without piety. Without acknowledging God in piety or ungodliness, a lack of reverence towards God. That brings his wrath. For those who flippantly walk through life without any acknowledgement of God... It's his world, remember. He is angry. He's angry with the wicked or wickedness. 
That's morally wrong, wrongfulness of character, life or act, unrighteousness of act or heart condition. Now, God is angry with his law that has been violated. Uh, He gave the Ten Commandments, but yet we want to erase it and we want just one commandment in our culture, the Eleventh Commandment. That's what our culture would go with. One commandment, thou shall not judge. Do your own thing. Don't judge anybody. That's the one, in a sense, virtue of our culture. We just want to be non-judgmental towards anything and everyone. We're tolerant towards anything. God gave ten commandments and not ten suggestions. Now, imagine in school if there were no consequences to cheating. You could cheat all you wanted. Got caught by the teacher. Principal knows it. You still get your A. Imagine if we had laws on the book like we do. Uh, You can't run a red light. And people just ran red lights and the cops would just stand by and police officers would say, that's fine, all right. Imagine if we had laws and we never enforced those laws. You could do whatever you want. You could steal and you'd never go to court. You could murder, take a life, and you'd never be brought before a jury. You'd say, that would be unjust. That would be wrong. It is just as wrong for God to give us Ten Commandments and not judge those who break the Ten Commandments. It's just as wrong for God to give a law and be the lawgiver and for people just to simply think they're going to get away with it all. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he judged sin in the past, he'll judge it in the present. He'll judge it in the future. If people were sinners and God never punished them, he would not be good. God's nature doesn't change. He is holy. As you see him deal with sin in the life of his people Israel and the scriptures, you'll see and you can anticipate his judgment at the end of the ages. See, in Romans 1.18 it reads, God's wrath, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God's wrath is seen through history. It's being revealed from heaven. Uh, go! Again and again, and you could see the wrath of God in Scripture. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, did God just wink at it and turn around and say, well, all right. Uh, No, they were pushed out of the garden. When Cain took Abel's life, God put a curse on him, and he went through life with that curse. When the people sinned and did what was wrong in God's sight. He sent a flood in Noah's time and destroyed the human race, as it were, or destroyed people's lives. When the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, he judged that whole nation with ten plagues. When Israel wandered from God, he judged his people. When in unbelief they refused to believe him and accept what he said, they had to wander in the wilderness for a whole generation, 40 years of walking in circles. Jesus, 
when he was rejected, spoke of judgment coming on that nation. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. As the invading Romans came in and plundered the city. Oh, God judges sin. Billy Graham was often noted to say that if God doesn't judge our times, our communities, that he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will judge sin. He did it in the past. He does it in the present. Paul makes this argument in the book of Romans. His wrath is being revealed. It's constantly being revealed. One of the ways that God judges sin is by letting people go into their sin. When they violate their conscience and they break his laws, God may say, okay, you want your uncleanness? Go. You want to live in vileness? Go. You want a reprobate mind? I'll give you over to that. That's what Romans tells us, that God allows people to be judged as they're sucked into their own sin and drawn deeper and deeper into iniquity. And that's a form of judgment. God intervened time and time again in Scripture and judged his nation and judged other nations. He sent Jonah to preach to Nineveh, speaking about a judgment to come. And if you study church history, you'll note that God used men with a prophetic voice who would speak judgment to a nation. But it seems that those on national television and televangelists, now I'm not saying all of them, and it seems behind the pulpits, so many people are only preaching a message that is palatable to tickle men's ears and to make them feel good and say, oh, tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday. No, no, we need to tell people that unless they get their life right with God, tomorrow may not be better than yesterday. I believe that the church has to historically, has to presently be true to what Jesus taught us to do and to say and to be. We must preach that God is a righteous God and will not wink at sin. Now, I know we don't always see God respond immediately, but he will respond in 1 Timothy 5, 24, it says, The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. So they're judged right here, right now, at this point. Some, their sins follow behind them, it says. The sins of others trail behind them. That means it's going to catch up. It's going to catch up. Because what we sow we inevitably reap. It's a law that God has put into the moral universe, that God has put into our world. Church, God judged sin in the past. He judges it in the present. And he will judge it in the future. Listen just a few of these references. See, there is going to be a judgment day in all of the events of our time when we see catastrophic things in nature. The... Insurance forms, if they still have acts of God. Uh, it used to say, you know, if something happened like an act of God, meaning some catastrophic event that happened. I know 
that this whole world is under the wrath of God. It was, in a sense, the ground was cursed when Adam and Eve sinned. And all of these events that transpire should remind us of a coming judgment, should remind us that someday there will be a day of accountability. All of the things that we see, earthquakes and floods and hurricanes and fires and all of the horrific things that happen are nothing compared to a final day of judgment when every man and every woman will stand before Almighty God. In Matthew 25 it says, hell will be everlasting fire. On and on. And the Bible teaches there will be a hell. No matter what some liberals say, and no matter what some cults say, there is a place called hell. There is a lake of fire that goes on forever and ever. In Revelation 20, 15, it says a lake of fire. And Jesus talks about outer darkness and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be a place of punishment, of fire, where there's no light. That fire won't give off light. It's going to be a different type of fire. There is a place of eternal punishment. Beloved, that's why there ought to be an urgency about our life. Perhaps the church has lost its sense of urgency because we've lost our sense of a future day of judgment. God, help us. In Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 to 17, then the kings of the earth... The princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? People praying and their prayers won't be answered. People running and no place to hide. See, in the book of Revelation, again and again you have references to the wrath of God. There's coming a day, a judgment. His wrath is a demonstration of His holiness. It's a demonstration of His righteousness. If God did not judge sin. He would not be almighty God. And this present world deserves judgment. There's not one single human being except Jesus Christ that ever lived a totally righteous life. And every other single human being deserves the judgment of God. We deserve judgment. Our world deserves it. Man's sinfulness deserves God's wrath. John the Baptist preached the judgment of God. Now, he would not make a good televangelist. I'm telling you, he would not be accepted in our culture. They wouldn't want to listen to him. First of all, his dress. Secondly, his diet. And thirdly, his bluntness. But listen to his words. Uh, John said to the crowds coming to, out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Imagine calling your audience snakes. I mean, uh, he's speaking to a religious group here. Uh, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? The Old Testament prophets, the men of God, spoke of a coming day of wrath. 
The church must speak of a coming day of judgment. If we are going to be faithful to the scripture, true to our God, and faithful as a voice to this world, we cannot, please hear me, we cannot be just politically correct so that we forget to speak what the Bible speaks and say what the Bible says. See, we have to be bold. I don't care if they laugh you out of school and you talk about hell. I don't care at work if you talk about the judgment of God and suddenly they snicker and say, oh, those prehistoric people, they're out of date and out of touch with the times. I'd rather be out of date and out of touch with the times and in touch with my God and in touch with the eternal truth than anything else. See, God's wrath is directed against sinful humanity. In Romans 1.18 it reads, Men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What it's saying, it's like, a, it's like a little boy trying to hide a puppy. He has to hide that. Maybe he's hiding it under his bed, doesn't want his parents to know. He can't suppress the truth. Men and women can't just quiet their conscience. God put a conscience inside of you. And when you're wrong, you know it. And when you're disobedient, you know it. And God will speak to your heart. And you'll be accountable for that. You'll be accountable for that. Others may not know, but you know. There has to be the sense of fear of God that's restored to his church. See, God gave men a conscience. They know right from wrong. God gave us general revelation. We're trying to erase the fingerprints of God from creation. We're trying to say that God hasn't created the world that he has created. We're trying to say that it just happened. They want to say that because they don't want an accountability to God. If we acknowledge that there's a creator, we acknowledge that there's a accountability and we acknowledge that one day we'll have to give account to God. People don't want to do that. So our culture has devised foolish theories that they've lifted to the level of science and they've proclaimed it more true than the scriptures. Beloved, God gave us general revelation. He has revealed himself throughout his creation. He gave us special revelation. His signature is on this book. This is a book that transcends cultures and times. Uh, This is his word. But the culture will tell us that's a bunch of stories and fables. And I was dismayed when I talked to a minister friend that I knew for years. And this minister friend of mine said, well... I don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture in the way you do. It ripped my heart out. I thought, what can you preach then? What can you teach? This man who had known, how could that happen? But across pulpits in our land and across the pews and people are no longer acknowledging this as the true guide to life. God speaks through his word. Let's not ignore it. Man is building up an account that will be paid in full. He may be charging, but just like a credit card, one day that bill is going to come due. One day the creditor is going to call. One day the account is going to have to be given. If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, 
This has been a perfect message for you. The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.